It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast, brought to you by Fetch Me. You need to go to Fetch Me if you are looking to have your family meal delivered in less than 40 minutes. Fetch Me has a great selection of anything you want, including restaurants, groceries, coffee, and I have to say that Fetch Me has the best and friendliest and fastest service in town. Fetch Me does that because their mission is to change the delivery experience by ensuring each order is delicious Accurate, timely, and most of all, that you have a great experience. Fetch Me is the best in the biz. Go check out Fetch Me at FetchMeDelivery.com and use promo code FetchMe20. That's FetchMe20, no spaces. FetchMe20 to get your first delivery free. Today's show will be a bit different. Got a lot of good feedback from the conversation with Trey Williams yesterday. If you didn't hear that conversation, I'd go back and, and listen to that. But I hopped on the lunch break on ESPN 106.7. Of course, you hear Painter mention that show, and Justin's been on the show as well to talk about that. So I was on that today, and uh, I kind of just pulled my favorite segment from that show and kind of edited it to put it into the podcast form. So check it out. Here we go. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Zach Blackerby, Painter Sharpless, here with you. So we've got some bold projections. We're halfway through the year. Auburn's had some real high highs thus far, particularly the late comeback against Oregon, handling Texas A&M for about three quarters, and a little bit of a scare there at the end, but for the most part, it was never really in doubt. What are some of the bold projections you have in front of you, Zach, after Auburn's loss now to Florida? Yeah, Brandon Marcello kind of compiled the list on, on Auburn Undercover, kind of citing some some bold picks throughout the interwebs. 247sports.com has Auburn in the Outback Bowl against Michigan State. That's one of my least favorite matchups on this list, but we'll keep going. Brett McMurphy <laughs> of WatchStadium.com has Auburn in the Citrus Bowl against Michigan. That could be a fun one. ESPN.com, Schleybaugh has Auburn going up against Michigan in the Outback Bowl. I think Auburn fans would like that. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. And, you know, I I know Auburn lost last time they were in the Outback Bowl when they took on Wisconsin, but that was a fun trip. the, The group I was with was really fun. We did some fun things on that trip. I mean... The game was exciting, too. Just didn't go, that field goal didn't go the way Auburn fans wanted. Right. You're, you're right about that. USA Today has Auburn in the Outback Bowl against Penn State. CBS Sports has Auburn in the Outback Bowl against Penn State. 
SI.com has Auburn in the Outback Bowl against Michigan. Jim Tomlin of Saturday Down South has Auburn in the Citrus Bowl against Michigan. Athlon Sports, Outback Bowl against Penn State. Bill Bender, the Sporting News, friend of the program, Outback Bowl versus Michigan. College Football News, Outback Bowl versus Penn State. And BannerSociety.com, whatever that is, Outback Bowl against Minnesota. And that is a gross matchup, but I like the bowl, so there's that. Yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? And you kind of posed the question to me earlier in the segment, but I mean, how does the fan base feel if Auburn is playing in the Outback Bowl at the end of the year? That seems to be the most popular pick among sports writers right now. Yeah, that of the Citrus, and I don't think that's where Auburn fans wanted to be with what appears to be, I think it's safe to say, but maybe some folks out there disagree, that this is the best roster Malzahn's had during his time when you consider how great the defense is the experience that they've got at a lot of important positions. The offensive line has not been phenomenal, to put it short. Sure. But at least there's a lot of experience there, certainly on the defensive line. Secondary has that. And I think your skill position right now is in a pretty good spot offensively. And right now, Auburn, as we've talked about throughout the offseason, Zach, is trying to avoid, with the exception of 13 and 17, what feels pretty normal around here, which is about an eight-win season. And that seems to be the general consensus about where they're headed. So Auburn's in the Outback Bowl in a lot of these predictions. And then you mentioned three or four people have Auburn in the Citrus Bowl against various teams. Do you think that's under the assumption that Auburn wins one of those final three tough games? If they... You think you think they're assuming they lose all three of those and they go eight and four? I mean, what do you think the assumption is with all of the riders, the majority of the riders putting Auburn in the Outback Bowl? I would bet that most of them expect the Tigers to drop all three of those, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of them also expect that Auburn could very well steal one of those. But with you know Florida, LSU, Alabama, and Georgia all currently ahead of Auburn in the rankings, and it could stay that way then that's where you see Auburn dip a little bit, somewhere to, to a trip like the Citrus Bowl. But if they steal one against LSU, Georgia, or Alabama and get to nine wins, it's, it might change things just a little bit depending on what happens to LSU and Florida the rest of the season. I mean, I, I just think it's a huge difference, and I think you'd agree, between eight and four, losing your four toughest games, maybe outside of Oregon, if you want to put Oregon above Florida or something. But if you go nine and three and you beat, I think Georgia's the most winnable of the three, just kind of based on where and when in the schedule it is. So if Auburn goes 9-3 and three with win, a win against Georgia, that seems better than an Outback Bowl-type season, but maybe it's not because, as you've mentioned previously, there's a lot of good teams that would still be ahead of Auburn kind of in the pecking order in the SEC when it comes to bowl selection time. Yeah, well, you have an opportunity at home to beat your two biggest rivals, and then Auburn fans desperately want to win in Baton Rouge against what would be almost certainly a top-five LSU team. Um, if they win against Florida, they will be. And, and I think a little bit, Auburn fans, because they've gotten the best of Florida over the last few matchups and because they don't play as frequently, like they're going to be able to put that behind them a little bit because of Bo Nix being a freshman and that game, the atmosphere. But Auburn fans are tired of losing to LSU on the road, and they're definitely tired of losing to Georgia and Alabama. So I think if they can steal one of those Nine and three feels like an improvement from some of those mediocre seasons with a really difficult schedule and a freshman quarterback. I know it won't please everybody, right? But nine and three for I think the majority of Auburn fans would be enough to say, "All right, this is a good place to be," but it's not where we want to end up, right? And you you go into the off season. I mean, this is the positive way to look at it. You go in the off season with a young quarterback that shows a lot of potential. 
a lot of skill position guys kind of they'll be coming back exactly looking like they've got a lot of upside there a new offensive line and that's what the appears, biggest question mark, appears to right? be kind of the the weakness of this team at times anyway i mean no not even at times i think pretty much from start to finish of any game this year the offensive line has been the the weak link maybe if you want to put a quarterback play in there with you know, uh, when they were in the swamp. but And the defensive line's curious, too, because there is so much talent on it. And no, it's like right. they're going to be good again next year. We expect Rodney Garner to consistently have, and he's done nothing but prove that. 100%. But let's not pretend that losing the experience of guys like Davidson and a top five, top ten draft pick, Derek Brown, and perhaps Nick Coe as well, won't be a detriment, even if they fill it in with some other great players, which I think that they will. Like, I don't know if there's another, and there could be, but I don't know if there's another top 10 draft pick waiting for Auburn next season. And, you know, maybe they get a surprise about someone who comes back, but I, it's going to be a pretty big reload project on both lines. I think you feel more secure about the defensive line, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I, I think the way, that's kind of the negative way to look at it. If you go into the offseason at nine and three or eight and four is, wow. Auburn had this awesome front seven, and that defensive line is gone. I mean, that's that's really what's going to you – know, I, I think Auburn fans are going to see Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson and Nick Coe starting on defensive lines probably as rookies next year in the NFL and be like, man, when, you know, we had all those guys at the same time, and you know, this, this is what we did with it. You know, We played Michigan in the Outback Bowl. You know, I, I think there's going to be a lot of Auburn fans that see that and are going to be kind of upset with it if that's how the season turns out. It also means next year that, that if the defensive line is, let's say, still good as we probably all expect it to be, the offense will have to be better. Like yeah. in the A&M, Oregon, and Florida game, the defense has kept them around when the offense has struggled. And, and that's, you know, you need that. You need both sides of the ball to balance one another out, especially when you're in an environment like Florida where defense tends to travel better. Sure. But the offense will have to, to pick up some of the slack, just assuming the defensive line has some kind of a drop-off next season because it's likely to lose three guys to the NFL draft. I mean, how close does that get as far as the, the balance that we saw Auburn have in 2013 and 2014 with pretty good offense, very good offenses, and the defense was subpar? I mean, I don't think the defense would fall that much because I think you've got some consistencies with downhill Britt and Jack Rabbit. And because that's his name now, it's not chainsaws. It could I, be I don't, chainsaw I don't think they're comparable, man. I really don't think what Kevin Steele has done over yeah, you, the last, I, I just mean, don't you, think you, it's, I don't think it'll ever strong word, but I don't think we're likely to see. I agree with you. And I don't know. I'm fascinated to know, will, will Auburn's offense ever look quite the way it did in 2013 and 2014? And part of that is different quarterbacks, different players. I think you need a. I think you need a, a running back like that again. I, you know, it, look at 2017 and how balanced and right. how dangerous that offense was in the second half of the season when they had a really good running threat. Yeah, and, and they just don't have that right now. And Booby Whitlow, his big issue since he's come to Auburn has been can he stay healthy? And he was kind of hitting a stride here. He had a chance to finish the season as the lead rusher in the SEC. Yeah, Trey talked about that when we when we spoke with him. Yeah. And then he, I mean, obviously that's not going to happen now unless he had an incredible few games. I mean, when you're he comes missing back. a month, yeah, it's I mean, just not likely. Yeah, it's almost impossible. Exactly. So that's a that's a big part of being a running back, uh, a top tier running back in the SEC. Durability. Is, you got to stay on the field. Some of it's good fortune, and then, yeah, I mean, because I don't question his toughness. Like I've said this sure. to you in the past. One of my pet peeves with coaches is, especially new coaches that come in, and I get this vibe from Pruitt. 
is we're going to be tough. We're going to be stronger than everyone else. We're going to be more physical. And those things are all, I'm sure, intrinsic and important to like instilling discipline. But what I really think coaches mean is we're going to be disciplined and mentally, t- like mentally focused. Mm-hmm. They're playing college football. They're all tough. Like you don't. So I, I'm confident that Booby Whitlow is a tough guy. If you need surgery, though, that's just sort of unfortunate. Like if you're, what was it, you know, your hamstring or your ankle gives out, there's not much you can do about yeah, like that. Yeah, there's something anatomically wrong with a part of your body. You've got to fix it before you can compete again. I mean, that has nothing to do with him being soft or anything like that. His, there was something wrong with his knee, and he needed his knee surgically fixed, and it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. And the amazing thing is, because there are a lot of fans out there that will kind of point fingers at guys who get hurt pretty consistently and and call them soft, call them weak, call them, you know. They want to be out there. That we One, they want to be out there. And two, it's like if you, are, you or I or, you know, the average person watching football that did not play football at the college level. Let me take a hit from Rashawn Evans. Yes, absolutely. And then, you know, undergo a minor knee surgery and he's going to be playing football at the SEC level in, in a, a month. month. And, you Maybe know, six weeks. You know, and, and a lot of folks, a lot of folks are going to take, you know, Several months just to kind of get back to being able to, you know, do their afternoon or morning jog before or after work. You know what I mean? I mean, these guys are in such good physical condition. Like people have no idea. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Let me ask you this question because I got, it got a little passionate there. Sorry about I that. I like that. I uh, want to ask you this, though. Biggest loss that Auburn cannot afford. You can go at it from the angle of they're the best player, they're the most important, but the as guy. As, oh, as far as losing a on, player. On okay. the whole team, because I don't think it's Booby Whitlow. He's in the conversation. I think it's Prince Tega. Yeah, I don't think it's close, right? Because now Bailey Sharp's out. You really don't know what. I mean, the coaches know, but we don't certainly have much of an idea. Yeah. I don't think the coaches know that much in, in terms of a live game that matters in the SEC West what they're going to get and it's not going to be that you and I asked that question to each other discussed it on the show discussed it on you know the podcast the lunch break everywhere about you know what's the most valuable loss and we kind of put the question out on social media a lot of Prince Tegas out there saw some I think this is kind of part of the offseason where everybody thought Joey Gatewood was going to be a starter so we got a few Gatewoods and then uh, a lot of Derrick Browns. And my response to Derrick Brown going down was Auburn is like 10 deep up front. I think the only but caveat. He is, he is so, so good. He, and he makes everyone else so much better. You're right. And at, at tackle, like there's not as much depth there. So I think that there's. But then my, my bigger effect with Brown is he makes the rest of his teammates' life so much easier. But I yeah. think that it's still Tega because the offense. The position he's playing in the offensive line depth is a scary thought for Auburn. Um, but You're right. You're right, and that's, that's going to be the biggest concern. What this about Seth Williams? Because sure. Justin brought his name up, and it's a guy that in that conversation we're having in terms of losing a player and what they do for Auburn, like he hasn't gotten a lot of mention, but he's the consistent part of the wide receiver core. Where, yeah. Like From week to week, we've seen some change on who they've targeted except with him. Like Schwartz getting one touch was weird to me last week. Sure. But they still managed to always find Seth Williams, or at least they tried to. Yeah, and, and I thought we'd see more Will Hastings. It's very clear that Bo Nix is comfortable throwing to Hastings. 
as I think most quarterbacks that have played with Will Hastings have been. I mean, it's clear that Stidham enjoyed throwing to him as well. So I think that's um, that would be a guy that I would expect to step up if Seth Williams went down. But I mean, we haven't really seen any other of the, the can larger go over receivers the middle that, like 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 Seth can. Can anyone no. consistently do that? I don't think so. I, I don't think so. Like for man. all of Hastings' strengths. You know, and I think I wonder if we'll start seeing more intermediate, not intermediate routes, more passes over the middle. They've been throwing intermediate routes. They just haven't necessarily attacked the middle of the field as much. Yeah, and, and they've done it with Seth, and then they've thrown some stuff to Shanker, but I mean... He, he seems so capable, Bo does, of completing short passes. Like right. It seems, and I know the defenses are looking to take that away because they know it's something he's comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. They've got to find a way to put him in that position. I know that they already know that, but yeah, it's been maddening at times not to see it. And that comes down to the coaching staff scheming guys open, and we've seen Malzahn be able to do this in the past. I mean... There's a lot of times where he schemes Will Hastings wide open. And obviously it comes down to execution, too. Hastings is running the route well and creating his own separation. He's got a knack for finding space. And then Bo's obviously got to make the throw and help throw him open and put him in a situation to succeed. But that was my biggest issue with the Florida game. We talked about it last hour, Painter. I mean, Bo was in a situation where he was on the road as a freshman, extremely uncomfortable, and could not buy a completion for anything. And instead, they continue to keep running similar running plays. They continue to try to stretch the field to stuff that was not open. And it's just like, you know, it happened a few times on third and long. They throw the quick pass to Eli Stove. And yes, I know it's third and long, so the coverage is going to be a little bit softer. But Eli Stove would, you know, catch the, the pass that was behind the line of scrimmage and run eight yards. And it's like, okay, it's fourth and two. But it's like, why did you wait till third down to, to kind of get ahead of the sticks? And so that's something that, Malzahn is taking credit for. I mean, he understands that like that was not a good play. I mean, that was not a good call called game when you look back at that Florida matchup. So that's something that he's got to improve on. And I think the coaching staff will do whatever they can to make sure that Bo Nix stays comfortable. And I mean, that's really what it comes down to. You know, I, I stole this from Colin Coward, but I say it all the time. How you win football games is you find your quarterback. Number two, you make your quarterback as comfortable as possible. And number three, you make the opposing quarterbacks as uncomfortable as possible. And Florida did that to Auburn. Florida was able to keep Trask. And your, it's not like Emory. he played a great game. Right, right. I mean, they were able to to upset you know, the, the Florida quarterback, whoever was in at the time. And then, I mean, they can't keep Bo comfortable, though. I mean, that has been Auburn's weakness so far. And some of that is it's harder to keep your quarterback comfortable when he's inexperienced and when he is a freshman. And that's something that... Malzahn's going to have to do. He hasn't done this a whole lot with younger guys. But yeah, Trask didn't play a, gr- a great game, but they did manage to put him in, in just enough positions where they were able to create some big plays. What do you think about the conversation that has happened throughout the last couple of years with Malzahn, especially when the offense has sputtered, rhythm offense? Because there are times when the offense does look unstoppable, and there are times when Gus Malzahn and Kenny Dillingham, at times it's been Chip Lindsey. Yeah. Like they're clearly out coaching other teams. And I think that they out coached Oregon in the second half. And I think they out coached Jimbo Fisher. Sure. At, at Texas A&M and certainly Mississippi State, although I think there was also just a huge deficiency of talent for State in that game. Right. But then it was flip flop. They, they, I think, fairly got out coached against Florida. Mm-hmm. Are you buying the rhythm offense? What can they do when they are sputtering to find a way to produce something? Yeah, I mean, the running game is crucial for that. And Florida was not going to let Booby Whitlow get free. And so now with Booby Whitlow gone, 
for, for the next month or so. I think we're going to see more Cam Martin. That's my prediction. I know a lot of people are saying DJ Williams. That's my thought as well, but I understand your thought because he has such trust generally, and, and especially it seems at that position with, right. with experience. Yeah, I mean, I, I just... I still think it'll be Williams who benefits the most. I think the DJ Williams pick is the one with the most upside. Maybe Shivers as far as the home run threat, but as far as consistent upside, as far as being a really good running back down the road, I think the answer is DJ Williams. Doesn't but, that work out well? Because you're, you've got to buy to work all three of those guys into the rotation as you know that they're probably going to get an uptick in carries and a team that, quite frankly, is no good. But, I mean, these are the same three names that we heard, you know, hey, no one's taking that number two running back slot behind Booby Whitlow. That's what we heard all fall camp. And it's the same, it's the same competition now. And so... I, I just think that what with what we've seen with Gus Malzahn led teams over the past is he's going to go with the oldest guy. He's going to go with the guy with the most experience, and that's Cam Martin. It's not even close. It's not the sexy pick, but I think it's the pick that Malzahn's going to do regardless. I mean, that's just based on everything that we've seen him do in the past. I think that one's clear cut for me. Thank you to Painter for allowing me to hop on and hijack his show for today. I think Justin went out of town, so... That was fun. That was fun. I, you know, I used to host that show, and it was cool to be back on a little bit. And I think Painter and I had some good banter there, and we kind of held off calls for a segment to chit-chat and kind of with the intention of, of putting this segment into the show. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it, and we'll get back kind of into this regular swing of things on Monday. We will recap the weekend and how it pertains to Auburn. And then, of course, we will jump into some Arkansas coverage. I'm a big fan of the guy who does the Locked on Razorback show John Neighbors, he does a morning shift um, on the ESPN affiliate up in Arkansas, and he is extremely talented, extremely funny, extremely smart. So we will chat with him on Wednesday. So have a fantastic day and have a fantastic weekend. Follow me on Twitter at Z Blackerby. Follow Painter on Twitter at Paint Sharpless, and follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Auburn. This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn podcast. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.